0: listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. It is 8.05 in the morning. I'm looking out the window and I'm seeing rain clouds and I'm seeing lots of rain, frankly. It's wet. It is It is a wet day, but that's okay. You know, we're, we're, we're here in the studio getting it done. Shelter, internet connection, hopefully. Uh, you are listening to The Breakfast Show and right now we are going to have another question for the quiz.
1: Absolutely. So the question is, which book numbers the tribes of Israel? Which book in the Bible numbers the tribes of Israel? Mm-hmm. And the number that you can text in to answer that question, if you think you know the answer, 0491 to go in the running for our three book true story giveaway. Our three fantastic stories of God working in people's lives that you want to get in the draw to win. So that question again: Which book numbers the tribes of Israel? And let me just say, it's kind of obvious. (laughs) I'm
0: gonna, you know, that I'll give you that one for free. Okay, guys, it's kind of obvious. Read through the list of books in the Bible and think which one of these books would number the children of Israel. You know, just 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 have a have a bit of a think about that. I'm sure you will get it. In fact, I'm sure I'm I'm sure all of our listeners will get it. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We have amazing prizes this week. But hey, Blair Lemke, we are getting into our Bible study. Amen. Amen. I love I've been really enjoying the Bible study so far, talking about all things death and how death. Relates to the Bible, and we're going to start off with a passage. If you've got it there, in John chapter five, verse eleven and twelve. John chapter five, verse eleven and
1: twelve. Yes, absolutely. God's word says, and He answered them. He who made me well said to me, "Take." A-. Oh, sorry. First, John chapter five, verse eleven and twelve. Oh, amen. All right. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to place together where you were going with that uh-huh, one. First John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. God's word says, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Amen. Mm. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Mm. We
0: have... Here from john john isn't uh, like a terribly um what's the word complicated writer i know once we get into the book of revelationals written by john then we're seeing you know crazy symbols symbols and whatnot but i think for john himself writing it down he's in vision in heaven just writing down what he's seeing but in regards to the books that john writes he writes a number of just very clear Cutting statements, you know. I, I think of some of the other ones, particularly from First John, where he's like, "And this is how you know you love the children of God if you keep His commandments." You know, th- these kinds of very, very direct, direct clear. clear statements. Peter was very similar. They they wrote in a very direct and clear way compared to their contemporary Which is quite Paul. Nice at times when you yeah. just
1: want you know, <laughs> I just want to get the. The, the, straight up and down
0: you know that's actually true of all of the apostles who are writers whether it was Peter James or John all of them were rather clear with their teachings and with their writings compared to Paul who was just like I am well Paul is I believe absolutely clear but in a very kind of triple entendre multifaceted way but here John in first John makes an absolutely clear crystal clear statement as to our status of living um, and possessing life, and that life can only be obtained through through Jesus. That's
1: right. You, you cannot have eternal life outside of the Son. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what it says. Mm-hmm. He, uh, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. You can't have that life without connection to the Son. So that that runs quite, uh, you know, that that speaks volumes to the theme we've been studying, doesn't mm.
0: it? And, and I think this is an incredibly important point in regards to to what we're studying, and something that we've mentioned last week is that this idea that Jesus would be the one to bring and enable, you know, people to have eternal life, whilst being new to maybe the Greeks and the Romans that he was preaching to, to the prophets and to the bible this is very much a consummation of ideas essentially a consummation of a story that has been long running throughout the bible particularly you know you read in jude chapter 14 it says now enoch the seventh of adam prophesied about these men also saying behold the lord comes with 10 Thousand of his saints. And then continues on. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them all, uh, their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Again, this is Jude commentating and said, saying that it was Enoch who preached this point, which Enoch, we're talking about, what is it, the seventh generation from Adam, right at the very beginning, anti diluvian era, they were all looking forward to a time in which eternal life would be granted. But they knew and they understood that that eternal life would be granted through the Son of God.
1: That's right. There's no other shortcut or no other way that they could obtain eternal life. And this is where you know this, um, you know this idea that we have a, a soul that goes on and on forever and ever. Um, Apart from Christ, really starts to uh, well. It's one of the places where it just doesn't match up with Scripture. Mm, absolutely,
0: and we're going to see a practical example of of this because what what we've been seeing and, and discussing now is like okay, it, it's clear that that's something that they look forward to, but how much so? Well, Jesus claimed himself. Let's go to the Book of John. Let's head over to John and read John chapter eight, and we're going to be reading. What was considered to be the most heretical thing that Jesus had ever said to anyone, essentially, up until this point. Something that caused so much offense and stir amongst the Jews that immediately on sight, they were going to kill this guy. Um, So we're going to read John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 48, if you can pick it up from there. And the
1: Jews answered and said to him, do we... Not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Let's let's stop right there.
0: Now, the Jews bring against him an accusation. I love it. They're like, don't we rightly say? I'm like... You could not be any further from the truth. But do we not rightly say that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Now, in the previous uh, passage, Jesus has been saying to these guys that despite their credentials as sons of Abraham, actually, they're sons of Satan, because like, they follow in the ways of Satan. And then they say to him in retort, you know, as we kind of turn the corner on this story in retort, the Jews answer him and say, well, aren't you a Samaritan and you have a demon? Demon, like, because he's saying, though you're Jews, you're followers of Satan because of your actions. He says, "Well, well, aren't you just a Samaritan who is is possessed?"
1: Um, Jesus... they're, they're really trying to distance themselves from him, aren't they?
0: Absolutely, <laughs> um, and they're trying to, you know, basically discredit him. They feel offended. They're, they're basically this is the equivalent of saying, like, "No, you." Like, like someone like
1: saying something bad about you, and then
0: they're like, "No, y- you."
1: Uh, because, yeah, it used to be like um, in the primary school playground, it was like, mirror, mirror, back to you. Yeah,
0: mirror, mirror, on, like all, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is exactly, this is their method. They're like, oh, you know, because I believe they've just been convicted. They've been convicted. Yes, we fall short, despite being Jews, we are not correctly following God. Uh, But Jesus actually says, I love this point in verse 50, and I don't come to seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Again, Jesus absolutely, like, just indicating to these people, well, it would be through me that the promise of your whole faith, which you are denying by living against it, is found in me. But do you want to keep reading on in verse 52?
1: Absolutely. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? They really catch Mm. what he's saying here. Mm. It registers with them and it appalls them. Mm. They're like, you've got to be demon possessed.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because essentially, well, if someone came to me right now and said, listen, if you follow me, you'll never see death, uh, I would definitely be skeptical. 100%. Scandalous. Now, Jesus up until this point has been kind of underlying his ministry with incredible miracles and absolutely proving that he is the Son of God.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491 064 669. So, this
0: place of doubt on their part isn't totally, I wouldn't say it's totally justified. I think it, you know, it goes both ways. On one side, it's not like they're, what they're saying here isn't like absolutely, you know, they're not justified in saying, oh, you know, how can you make yourself out better to be Abraham? Because Jesus has been absolutely proving that he is better than Abraham. It's been in the previous chapter these, to these where he's been doing amazing miracles and, yeah, absolutely proving that he's the son of God. Um, but they're like, how can you put yourself on the, on the level of Abraham? And my big question is, and we're working up to the most offensive thing Jesus says. My big question is, is Jesus greater than Abraham? Absolutely. Yeah. Where did Abraham's ministry come? Abraham's call, Abraham's purpose, you know, leave your nation, go out, and you will become a nation. Who gave him that call?
1: Everything that he has came from God.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And from Jesus himself. Like, it was Jesus who was with him giving the call. We talked about in a question of the day that we answered last week, actually, how it was Jesus and two angels who met with Abraham and and like Abraham identifying him as the Lord who met with him and and who eat with him and spend time with him. And there's an amazing correlation there because we see right at the end of Jesus's time here on earth where he's ascending up into heaven. He's got the same two men with white apparel standing amongst him um, and they're watching him. You know, ascend, ascend up, which is incredible, but absolutely, Jesus is greater than Abraham. Abraham is a man who had a call by God, um, and Jesus is say, and Jesus' point is like, oh, those who follow me, they'll they'll never taste death; they will experience eternal life in the future. And they're saying, oh, but Abraham is dead. They're they, they're catching what he's saying in terms of its offense, but not understanding the implications of what Jesus is trying to do and what it was that Abraham was pointing forward to as the uh, like further foremost progenitor of Jesus, that Jesus would come through Abraham's line. But then it continues on. Uh, They say, you know, Abraham is dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? And now pick it up in verse 54 for us, split.
1: Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him... I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Your father, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Oh, okay. So this,
0: this is now we're getting into scandalous territory because here, well, firstly, Jesus says simply, uh, you know, I know God. And again, he's been doing everything to prove that he is a representative of God, that he is God. Himself. He's like, I I know the Father. You know, I, I'm the Son of God. Like, that's, that's who I am. And through his actions, people have definitely, and it would be in and amongst and around this time where his own disciples would identify him as the Son of God. Um, but these people, rather than identifying him as the Son of God, reject. And he says, but hey, like this whole mission from God, you know, our credentials as Jews, our, our, Uh, lineage, all of these things. Actually, it all pointed forward. You know, Abraham is important because he saw me. Like, the reason he was established is because of me. Not only because I told him to be established, but that I would come right now and speak to you. And then we, we get this retort following this in verse 57,
1: if you want to read it. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Man, I would,
0: you know, verse 57, we can see that how puzzled they are. Like, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now, this points to Abraham himself being a prophet and experiencing, you know, vision, seeing seeing the, the plan of salvation that would come through his lineage. Um, and then Jesus here, you know, says to them, it's like, hey, you know he saw me, and the reason he saw me is because even before Abraham existed, I am bombshell, yeah, he's essentially he is making his claim absolutely to be God the i am and this reference of i am is a reference to how God identifies himself as the in the old testament to to Moses um and to a number of the biblical prophets calling himself I am and he's saying hey that was actually me. And it was at that point in verse 59 where then they take up stones. They're like, oh, we're going to we're, we're kill this guy. Well, they now. got it.
1: They got that he was claiming to be God himself, mm-hmm. and that was blasphemy, worthy of being stoned in their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the just result.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Now, going back to our original statement that we read in First John, we're reading here the book of John. The original statement that we read in First John essentially says that without Jesus, there is no life. And it makes absolute sense, because think about this. Think about this. In the very beginning of time, God created, you know, and through the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they had created all things, and through them all things had been created and furthermore sustained. Um, So this world couldn't exist without them, and then furthermore, we see here with Jesus identifying himself as God and then being, you know, the Lamb of God and sacrificing himself. It's like in the same way that you and Abraham and everyone else wouldn't exist without my creation, furthermore, you won't exist without, or you won't possess eternal, uh, eternal life without my redemption. It's all through God. It's all through me. And without me, like without my saving act of redemption, and without you obtaining it, it's the same as rejecting the creator himself because
1: I am the well, creator. Well, that's exactly what Luke ten sixteen says, isn't it? When, mm. when Jesus sent the disciples out, the 70 out, mm. to go and minister, he said, he who hears you, speaking of his disciples, he hears me, he who rejects you rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Mm. The God of Heaven, mm. right? And so little did they know in in this rejection of Jesus that mm. they were rejecting everything that they said they stood for.
0: Yes, absolutely. And again, ah, I, I really love that point. Like I, we look at the Jews and we look at a, a people who have all the tools at their disposal to know and to understand God. They have the history, they have the oracles of God, they have the scripture, um, and they they have that story of creation. You know, they like this, the, the truth of, of got where the sanctuary, we
1: sanctuary, they've got so many things
0: amazing. And, and it's like, I just think particularly of the story of creation, like in that story is fully revealed to them, their personal loving God who has created them from nothing, who then, you know, two chapters later, we have chapters now, um, who then they are rejected. And the very way that God was trying to solve that through Jesus, you know, the same person who gave them life in the beginning is now trying to give them life again. Uh, and they ultimately reject him, and so ah, it really gets to the heart of like why Jesus was saying before: like their credentials as genetically Jewish people simply did not matter because in their actions and in their heart they're essentially rejecting the one who created them and is now trying to redeem them, which is which is incredibly sad. It's that's it, not a
1: position we want to be in.
0: Absolutely not. And I feel like then, for us, see, saying here today, it was like, well, what gave Jesus the right to stand there and preach to them that he was God outside of the fact that he was God? And the reason Jesus could say, stand there and preach that he was God is that he absolutely proved to them he was. You know, he absolutely showed them. And, you know, it was by faith they could believe that Jesus himself was the Son of God, yet they rejected. And I think for us and for myself today... You know the very much the question comes up. It was it was through Jesus's actions they had by his fruit through his action through everything they knew about Jesus they had the ability to choose him and it's like okay I identify as a Christian someone who who has chosen Jesus but is through my actions and through my witness and through who I am um, does it actually reveal that or uh, am I in the position that these jewish people are in um that the jews are in at this point where they ultimately you know though making staking a claim to follow god they reject him in their hearts where are we at today oh this is is, there's lots speaking to us from this bible study i'm really excited to get into our next section of the bible study we're we're actually going to be talking a little bit about some greek history here which i'm I'm very interested in
1: you're listening to the Breakfast Joe
0: podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
1: And we are going to have our final question of the quiz for today. That's right. The question is this Paul was wronged by Alexander the Four options A Alexander the Coppersmith. B Alexander the tent maker. C Alexander the tax collector or D Alexander the Silver Smith.
0: Or E Alexander the Great, <laughs> but that would be a little bit historically
1: inaccurate. Yeah, different time periods, uh, so <laughs> significantly, we can rule that one out. But yeah, that's right. You want to? If you think you know the answer to that one, you can text the answer into zero four nine one zero six four six six nine to go in the running to win our three volume set on the true stories. Uh, which are fantastic stories. So that question again, Paul was wronged by Alexander the A. Copper Smith, B. Tent maker, C. Tax collector, or D. Silver Smith?
0: You know the answer. 0491 064 Nine. Well, hey, we have some text messages that have come through. Uh, a couple you guys have been kind of quiet today. You can speak up if you like, but uh got a couple text messages coming through. This one was about the testimony that was shared. That's a beautiful story. A companion is what I'm hoping and praying for. I'm glad to hear that story from Sky. And we hope and pray for you. In fact, you know, sitting across from me, Blair Lemke, um, the well, self-proclaimed um, greatest matchmaker of all time. Amen. Um, again, <laughs> I want to em- emphasis on self proclaimed. Um, you know, he's he's got a spreadsheet that he puts lots of people on Amen. and tries to set them up from there. Um, and hey, listen,
1: Sky, if you hey, want to get been on been the There's been a lot of successes. Don't, don't be, don't be bashing that. There's been a couple successes. I've got a successes tab and it is flowing. It's like the land flowing with milk and honey. It's like. It's like
0: less than 1% of the rest of the names in the spreadsheet. Oh, spread
1: listen to this hater. Uh,
0: and then we've got another text message here from Michael. You two make a great pair on air.
1: Wow. He <laughs> just, just
0: wants to compliment that's us. That's
1: poetry. Wow. That, that's... A great pair on
0: air. There I love it. You, there you Thank go. you. Thank you, Michael. Well, hey, we're continuing our study. And in our 20 million movement guide, uh, guide it... Coming into into this study, it mentions a story um, of, from the writings of Herodotus, who was a Greek historian. Now, Greek history has been a particular area for me that I've been really, really, really interested in. Lately, um, And Herodotus being what was known, well, being called as the author of history is a, a lot of where we get that information of Greek history from, um, being that, you know, he lived through some of the most significant periods in Greek history. Uh, he lived through the Greco-Persian Wars in the early 5th century BC, and then he died during the Peloponnesian Wars of the late Fifth century, so like the two landmark, you know, um, huge times within Greek history. You know, it would be later down the road that Greek would become an empire, but that was under more, you know, the the Macedonians who took over Greek and then expanded. Um, but you know, during the time of Athens and Sparta and and what we know to be the the true Greek states, yeah, Herodotus was the historian at the time. And again, I say he's he's like considered to be one of the authors of history, one of the original founders of, of writing historically because he recorded both wins and losses. Uh, that being said, some of the losses he recorded don't necessarily, you know... He, he Like, he writes about the Spartans who defended against the Persians and Leonidas and whatnot, uh, what we know as, like, the story of the 300 today... And it's like, yeah, it was a loss, but it was also, like, one of the greatest kind of heroism stories of all time. So, it's like, was his history? History. There's some debate surrounding that, but... Herodotus lived during a time, again, in the 5th century BC, which was a real landmark time for the Greeks uh, because of how conflict-heavy it was. Mm. Like, the Greco-Persian Wars, the fighting between Greece and Persia that resulted in major casualties. But then the Peloponnesian War later, um, in it was in that period he died, was basically a war between Sparta and Athens. So, the Spartans and the Athenians. It was a, it was a civil war in in. Greece, which claimed the lives of tens of thousands of Greek soldiers who were just fighting against themselves, like this was such a time of heavy casualty. If we look in modern history or look at like, for example, the American Civil War, we see that as one of the it was it was the American Civil War and the you know the the terrible consequences of that that led to later reform movements and even you know prohibition in the United States because so much PTSD and harm came from that time uh, that that america was like yeah let's ban alcohol because it's it's ruining our country because so many people are struggling uh with ptsd civil war in general is probably one of the most horrific forms of war because it's always brother fighting against brother and it's terrible and that was the time in which herodotus lived and that was the time around in which herodotus died during the peloponnesian war A great plague had broken out and he died but In our study, it talks about Herodotus and talks about a a story, a tribe that he wrote about. It says this, at birth, um, in this tribe began a period of mourning because they anticipated the suffering that the infant would face if it lived to adulthood. So essentially, again, he's living in a time of heavy conflict within Greece. And when new children are born, the tribe would mourn. Because it would be like, well, most likely this child is, either, is going, to go, going to have to go off to war to fight against either Persians or his brothers in some kind of civil conflict. Um, ultimately, I, I really love this story because it reveals just the harrowing and horrifying reality of life. Mm. Uh, how short life is and how unfortunately, because of the world we live in, how full of conflict life can be.
1: That's right. And, and and it contrasts very poignantly mm-hmm. with the hope that we have in the biblical promise of eternal life in Jesus.
0: Absolutely. It shows us here what it is our minds should be fixed on and why it is that story is so important. Again, these Greeks not necessarily having that hope uh, were absolutely devastated when these kids were born because it's like they're going to have to go through so much suffering. But then it was Paul it, Uh, He says, the suffering that I endure in this time is nothing compared to the glory that I look forward to. You know, one thing our lesson has been really bringing out as a theme throughout the past couple of weeks is how important our belief in this resurrection of Christ is. Because without it, as the Bible says, we are of all men most Pitiable. Mm. Um, but it really is just understating and underlying the purpose of the Christian religion in contrast to many other religions or philosophy out there, philosophies out there, is not just for the sake of benefiting the life that we live in. You know, the story of that Herodotus is saying, whether you're a Greek or a Christian born into that time, uh, whether you're a Greek or a Jew or whatever it may be, you are going to be facing Terrible circumstances that are eventually probably going to lead to the end of your very short life. But the view can either be, well, mourning and crying because basically what's the point of living? Or the other side, which is, well, I have something to look forward to, something Mm -hmm. greater. And this life that I live today can be filled with purpose and hope and direction knowing that I am journeying towards heaven.
1: Absolutely, and I just love that text that we started on in First John 5, verse 12, where it says, He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. Mm. And so it's just such a, um, you know, if we develop a worldview that we have eternal life outside mm. of the Son, mm. that's just a very conflicting worldview to the clear statements of Scripture.
0: Absolutely, and, and again, going back to ancient Greece, um, in which they were just constantly warring and fighting over position and land and politics and money. It's like, why, why fight and why live for the fight for those temporal things when you can live um, and fight for heavenly and eternal things, which is to follow Christ. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we have, at this time, not another question for the quiz, but answers to quiz questions.
1: That's right. We're given the answers. Yep. Yeah,
0: so, run us through them.
1: Below. So, we. the first question was, where did the devil have Jesus stand when he said to him, if you are the son of the God, throw yourself down from here? And the answer, of course, is from the highest point of the temple. Mm-hmm. He made him stand at the highest mm-hmm. point and said, throw yourself down. Um, and we know the rest of the story. Uh the second question says, Fill in the blank with the right adjective. God thundereth blank with his voice. Great things doth he that we cannot comprehend. And the blank there, the correct answer was marvellously. God, God thundereth God thundereth marvellously with his voice. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, quite quite some tongue twisters when you when you get there, but beautiful <laughs> poetry as well. I love it. Um to what the third question, to what did Abraham leave uh to whom, I should say, did Abraham leave everything when he died? He left it to Isaac. Mm. Yes, his son Isaac, um, which makes sense. Inheritance. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the next question makes a lot of sense too. In fact, you almost gave it away on air. I did. Uh, which book, on purpose. I was just being a friend to the <laughs> listeners. Which book numbers the tribe of Israel? Numbers. Numbers. (laughs) The answer answer was in the question, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which book numbers the tribes of Israel? Numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the last question, Paul was wronged by Alexander. You were suggesting the great, uh, but indeed that was not the answer. The Mm -mm. correct answer was A, Alexander the coppersmith. Yep. So, there we go. All five questions, answers, now you know Bible trivia. Congratulations
0: to those who got it correct. But right now, it is time for... Question
1: of the day. All right, Blair, what is our question of the day for today? All right, it's a good one here, um, written in by Margie. And the question says this uh, Hi, Shell, I've been listening to Christopher Peterson in the evening programs, mm. and he stated that God has no lungs, no heart. Uh, now I'm wondering about that. Didn't God say in creation, Let us make man in our image? Uh, was I wrong? Or, am, or was he wrong or am I, uh, as far as I believe, God is a man, he's omnipresent, and we are created in his image. Uh, please enlighten me. Yeah, great question. Uh, this
0: ultimately brings up, the, the big question here is, what does it mean to be created in God's image? Does Is God literally a man, some mm. divine man, who then creates men who... look uh,
1: physically in his image?
0: That's right. That's a good question. Now... I am inclined and compelled by what the Bible says to say no to say no. Now the Bible does say in Genesis 1:26 like we are created in his image in, in our likeness. Uh, and, and it continues on in verse 27. It says, So Grog created man in his own image and his image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Uh, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the question is, well, does that mean that humanity is literally looks like God and God, as you've said in this question, uh, well, you know, as Christopher Peterson said, he says, he doesn't have a heart and he doesn't have lungs. Does God possess those things? Now, the Bible says in John 4 and verse 24 that God is spirit and we worship him in spirit. And if we just think quickly about, okay, the, the creation, right? So God comes to a planet that's without form and void. Uh, a, a rock, and he creates onto it. But God would have already previously created the space in which that formless and void rock was floating in. And then if you roll back the clock basically far enough, you ultimately, if God is the creator of the universe, and then matter, and then space, and then space and time, God would have to exist outside of space and time, meaning then that God basically is a form that we cannot understand or comprehend. Uh, we are created, you know, in this world as like physical human beings who have flesh and have ma- a- mouth and lungs and a heart and all of those different things um, because we're created within space and time. But God exists outside of all of those things. So, therefore, he wouldn't need to possess any of them. Um, to say then that God has lungs and has a heart, you would then be saying that it maybe he necessitates it to live. You know, he needs a heart and a lungs to live, but God absolutely does not. God is a divine being. His form we do not know, but how we create it in, in his image, we have the ability to love, to have relationships, uh, and to know God. Just like God is relational between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, he creates in the same time human beings um, and you know angels and a number of other you know, species of the universe that have the ability to know each other, to have a relationship with each other, and to have a relationship with him. You have been listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and unfortunately, we've come to the end. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, <laughs> we've just been motoring through. It suddenly started to come out this morning, which is great. We're going to have, I think it's going to be What did we say? 27, 28 degrees here in Newcastle. I'm going to jump in the car and get out into Sydney, though. I'm going to spend some time down there. I'm dropping my friend off at the airport. Oh, nice. She's she's heading home to Uganda. Wow. Shout out Maureen. She's going to have a fantastic time over there. So many people are heading home now for holidays. It's the festive season. That's right. The time for family reunions. But furthermore, we could actually leave. Well that's true <laughs> Compared to Finally Other periods of time We have Tazzy Encounters Coming up after this With Encounters with Jesus They're going to be Going through Hosea Chapter 11 But right now We've come to the end of the show And remember Have a fantastic day Spend time with Jesus Get to know him As we said It's only through him We have life And remember To talk faith To live faith And to act faith And you will grow strong In Jesus Christ God be